We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network of Blue Wire Podcast. We are also joined today by Winning Six co-host and uh, occasional cruising for a bruising bullpen arm, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Hello, I'm your trade deadline acquisition. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, don't know if I'd introduce myself like that if I were you. Normally, I like to start the podcast by asking Adam how he's doing. He and I, you know, see each other a lot through a screen, and you can feel like you're really getting uh, the full context of your friend's emotion via Zoom. But without asking, you can never truly know. Today, I don't even have to ask because I know all three of us are down bad. Is that fair to say, Adam? I mean, I'm generally fine, but when I have to watch or talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, it's not, it's not the the high point of my emotional arc at the moment. We'll just say. No, uh, that's fair, Jordan. Jordan, how are you, how are you feeling on this? Uh, it's a Friday. It's it's Friday at least. It's Friday. That does not told. mean anything to Jordan. So. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, me. Sorry. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you, Andrew. I think you you need that weekend. But... Instead yeah. of uh, 
instead of watching the Milwaukee Brewers sober, I get to watch the Milwaukee Brewers drunk. That's how my weekday changes. You get to watch Liverpool. That's for you. I think for the, you know, the, the emotional balance of your sporting teams, your really good team coming back at this precise moment might be beneficial. Yeah, I think it might be. Uh, for those of you that maybe went on a vacation, turned off your cell phone for the last week, I envy you. Uh, but if you know what happened, you know that it would this be it would be started. like sorry, Andrew, but it would be like when Jared Leto went out into the desert for like forty days, and he came back and he was like, "COVID nineteen? What? What's this?" That's if you're a Brewers fan who switched your phone off this week, went on vacation. That's the kind of feeling you're coming back to. Oof. Yeah, so obviously the uh, the week started with the, the trade deadline. Josh Hader gets traded uh, for Taylor Rogers, uh, two prospects, and Denelson Lamette. Denelson Lamette has since been designated for assignment because either they didn't do their full research on the service time he had accumulated or they didn't care and all of the nice things they were saying about how they believed in his arm and his slider were lies. It's uh, definitely the first he, one. Uh, he, was, he was also in the deal to balance out the salaries to help San Diego stay under the luxury tax as they also were considering pursuits of Juan Soto, Brandon Drury. Really nice to do the Padres a favor like that. Just nice to see some, uh, some teamwork between teams competing for, for similar space in the National League. Nice to see uh, then the, the Brewers uh, traded for Matt Bush, traded for Trevor Rosenthal. So the Lamette DFA came uh, after those moves, failed to land a bat, and then lost three games in a row to the Pittsburgh Pirates, the terrible Pittsburgh Pirates. Four straight losses in general, five straight losses to the Pirates, all with leads blown by... Uh, the bullpen in some cases, Corbin no, Burns. Mostly kind of... by the late, late kind of deep in, um, deep in the start for the starter, maybe too deep in the start for the starter in a couple of occasions, and then onto the bullpen. And two of them coming in the last at bat for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that's where we are. Just a, a week that doesn't quite feel like we're living in the same reality we were living in coming into this week because the Brewers had just come off of seven wins in nine games coming out of the All-Star break. The vibes were good heading into that series against Pittsburgh. And then based on every interview we've seen with anybody in that clubhouse, it seems like, like I described it as a Mentos was being dropped into a Diet Coke bottle. And now here we are tied in the division with the St. Louis Cardinals who swept the Chicago Cubs. I said, if the Cubs could win the doubleheader, I would stop slandering them for at least two weeks. Nope. Useless organization. Couldn't even uh, accumulate more prospects by trading Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. They're just, they're just useless. They don't need to exist. Um, And also tied a three-way tie for that uh, final wildcard spot with the Cardinals and Phillies. So a lot of, uh, a lot of just hanging out in mediocrity and a, a, a stretch of six games against the Pirates and the Reds that you and I discussed that were important for them to prove they could beat bad teams and uh, really pad their lead in the division. And they didn't do that. And now they sit in a pretty precarious position where their backs are against the wall. 
and it's time to to start winning again. Although things are, as I think Devin Williams said at one point, things still don't feel like they've returned to normal. No, they haven't. I remember the days when we were worried about, you know, maybe they'll do nothing at the deadline. Turns out would have been a lot better off if they just done absolutely nothing at the deadline to complete another shambles. Um, even some of the optimism we had, which is overselling our feelings still, but some of the optimism we may have had, that has obviously since taken a hit by, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really was too interested or concerned about Lamette or buying into him being something of use, but if there's one thing that's going to annoy me and what was an already underwhelming deadline, it's just ineptitude, just organizational ineptitude. And I, I think it is clear not to give another out like you did, as in, oh, maybe they were saying stuff and then no, they weren't. They weren't. They just completely made a mess of it. Um, they obviously didn't check exactly. It seems like uh, he was on an assignment very recently. So it's five years has probably only passed in the last week or so. So I don't know. Does that mean they had a board up a couple of weeks ago where, oh, yeah, we could get him and he's still eligible? And that has since passed. They get him and they find out. He, I don't know. Either way, it's just completely inexcusable. Completely inexcusable. Um, the week overall, like you go from that kind of stuff at a front office level that is just deeply demoralizing as fans at this point in the season and what's been an up and down season, but one where things would really start to look up. And I think we were probably the most optimistic we had been for quite some time. And um, the bats had come alive. Honestly, the bats are still generally They're pretty not alive. The problem. No, not at all. Like they, they solved the thing we were all concerned about. And now the pitching is the problem. And we're seeing that become increasingly self-inflicted. Um, the roster management has been questionable for a little while now. Then you get the bad look that comes with that. We complained so long about what are they doing with tree catchers? Why is Severino still there? Why is Severino still there? They failed to trade Severino. They DFA Severino after an absolute horror show of an at-bat with the game on the line on whatever day that was, game one of the series. They DFA him the next morning. Then Omar Narvaez gets injured and they're down to one catcher and they're having to call up Feliciano. Like that again adds insult to injury. They're not getting a look going their way. I guess you make your own look. And after some of the, the decisions they made this week, they probably don't deserve luck to do them any favors. And then to add to that, just not even the icing on the cake, but just a rotten, rotten cherry on top. They got it from the same place. They got that apple they keep nibbling at. <laughs> they just melted down in every game in this series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Melted down. And in a way that, if you're a Brewers fan, it could not make you feel worse. If you're David Stearns, the front office, I don't think it can make you feel worse. Um, if you're Andrew Snyder, I don't know if there's a way you could feel worse than... Brian Reynolds homering off of Devin Williams in his new role. Where you're like, oh, wouldn't that wasn't there a guy a week ago who probably would have been in that spot? Anyway, that wasn't Devin Williams. Um, we we touched on on I think it was the last episode, if not the one before that, just how down bad Devin seemed to be about the trade. Next time we see him, he gives up 
not just the first run in quite some time, the first homer of the season. Uh, it, it is just grim. And we'll, we'll, as we work through the games, I mean, we'll get to some of the new additions. Just bad series, like tough series for a lot of guys. And you list through a lot of them, and it's the bullpen. A um, couple of guys more uncharacteristically. Victor Caratini, he did have a home run, but a couple of pass balls, one of them pass which balls. certainly three pass balls, actually. Um, I, I think, think one the... was a wild pitch. Okay, that's fair. And that was certainly a wild pitch. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but two that really, we've seen him just handle without a second thought all season and you'd expect of it, of a catcher of that caliber. Hunter Renfro with a couple of loose throws, one of them the loosest throw we've seen from all season. We've spent so much time hailing his arm and how accurate he is and just how much of a weapon that is for the Brewers. Not in this series. It actually did more harm than good. Um, but beyond that, there's a lot of guys we'll, we'll get to talking about. And you know what? It's The Brewers have kind of a new-look bullpen. And that new-look bullpen is not looking so good right now. Yeah, Jordan, when, Jordan, just... I, I want to hear from Jordan. Jordan yeah. has has the luxury of being able to dip in and out more than we do throughout the season. Um, Jordan is generally someone who is very kind of even keel with the vibes. You even keel, or is that keel sliding one way or another, Jordan? Um, I had the intention of trying to bring good vibes to this podcast. It's been a bad week, as we have mentioned. Um, the more I think about it, and just I think also the Cardinals over not overtaking, but tying up the Brewers in the division lead, also kind of uh, everything's just not breaking their way. They you I think making their own luck is kind of the perfect phrase because it's like this whole week just feels like one self inflicted wound <laughs> from the hater trade on down from the fallout from that doing. DFA and Lamette. I mean, who knows what happens with Rosenthal? But that's the that's the thing is that like if you're, I don't know. I don't want to get too lost in the weeds. No, please but, do. But it is just like it just feels very anti-Brewers under Stearns. Everything uh, over the last what seven years, right? Yeah, he's been here seven years almost. Um, has been with like a plan. And I know you could talk about like the sustainability and all this stuff that they talked about why they traded Josh Hader. And there is some merit to like Josh Hader is a very specialized player. He, his only impact comes in one inning. You have to hope that you have the lead, <laughs> which I mean, to the Bruce credit. They, well, you're not required to do that, but that, that yeah, yeah that's true. Operates. Yeah. yeah. But it's very just like, okay, the, this very specialized situation that Josh Hader is going to come into a game and more often than not, he saves the game, they win, blah, blah, blah. Um, I understand why they have done the move. I understand the reasoning. I understand the... Don't, don't be coy about it, though. That's the... But it is just like... What do, what do you see as the reasoning? Um, well, I was also just trying to think of it as, in terms of like what trade does this compare to in terms of like in my Wisconsin sports 
fandom. I think the best one that I can come up with is like Devontae Adams. Just because he's going to get paid. He's the best closer in baseball for the last five years. Um, he is very deserving of the money that is going to get to him in a year and a half whenever he reaches free agency. Um, the Brewers, obviously, we're not going to be <laughs> – clearly, we're not going to be the team that wanted to pay him, you know, whatever he is worth and whatever he's going to command on the market. I forget who his agent is. Is it Boris? I have no idea. I don't know who his agent is, but yeah. obviously he's going to get big money. Yeah. Um, I just kind of feel like it's that where it's like – That I does think not make also... me feel any better. No. But it, that's where it's like <laughs> – it's not even – I think I've seen some people, like, liken it to the Ray Allen trade and stuff like that. It's like – No. I don't, I don't the think The Bucs weren't even that great when they yeah, traded I, him. I think I think I Devontae mean, Adams is really good and in uncomfortable ways because Packers season approaching, and there's no doubt that the wide receiver situation is a concern. And you have a team that, for all of your strengths, you know that – okay, we've got this just year after year MVP-level quarterback. Wouldn't it be good to have some guys for it to throw to? And you lose Dante Adams. And when you get to the Brewers, and this series is even representative of it, you're right that Hayter is a really specialist player for really special situations. I don't know if there's a team in baseball who find themselves in more one, two-run games, who give themselves more save situations than the Brewers, in part because that's how your roster is built, in part because your roster is built on a shoestring, and you're trying to, you know, marginal gains, marginal gains, and get enough to win games by a run here or there. And all of a sudden, you pull a plug on a guy who... And it, it's not just... It's the thing that is going to concern us, and it's tough to judge it right now because... Box has been terrible for three weeks. And it's honestly another reason why I would have had some reluctance, even with Hater struggles. Hater, we'd start to see have more positive outings than we're seeing out of Boxburg. And when, when Box has got out of there okay recently, it hasn't been getting out of there clean. There's been some elements of luck. That worries me when the thing that we allotted, the thing we could bank on is get to the seventh with a lead and nine times out of ten, Box Devin Hayter is going to take care of it. And that matters more for the Brewers than maybe any other team. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, I, that's the concern. That's where I think you're right with Devontae Adams. And as I think about, oh, great, maybe the Packers could bring me some joy in the next few weeks. We can get some good feeling going. The, the thing that does concern me is <laughs> I would like some better wide receivers. And they had the best guy in the league at that, just like the Brewers had up until very recently, which may just prove to be a blip on the radar, a slump that over the course of his career means nothing. They had the best closer in baseball, and they don't anymore. So, I well, well done, Jordan. Great, great comparison, great analogy, but it is not one that makes me feel better. No. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Also, I looked up some stats um, to prepare for the pod. I do prepare for a podcast. Wow. Contrary to what is out on the street. Um, Contrary to our 370 plus episodes <laughs> of Winning Six where we've never prepared. Um, I don't know. I feel like the basketball references um, strength of schedule is more coherent than what baseball references is because they have it like the same rating system and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, the Cardinals have the easiest schedule for the rest of the year and the Brewers have, um, I think it's like middle of the road. Brewers have a 51.9% making or percent chance of making the postseason, according to baseball reference, after being swept by the Pirates. So you're telling me there's a chance. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the best me, thing, the best thing about the schedule is all the home games. And that's that's yes. kind of what they had been banking on is oh, we'll take care of things at home. Now, if you're gonna lose three out of three in Pittsburgh. You don't know, don't know if just taking care of things at home is always going to be enough for a team that has uh has relished Craig Timber. They're really banking on Craig Timber being the thing again. <laughs> That's that is where I I stand after the sweep. I think undefeated September slash early October. It's coming <laughs> for me. It still always comes down to the timing because. For the most part, I think if you don't want to spend money on your own players, you should not own a Major League Baseball game. But I also don't mind the idea of I'm not going to pay for a closer's 30s because of the volatile nature of relief pitchers. That being said, I, don't, I still do not understand a defense for trading him when you did. You could have waited to the winter. I still I still think a, a similar package would be available now. If Steyer Ruiz comes in and steals 50 bases next year, maybe I change my tune. But right now, it 
I think it's lowered your chances of winning a World Series for 2022. And then you have Josh Hader going to San Diego and giving interviews, talking about how he's thrilled to be in a place that is showing a commitment and wants to win a World Series. I'm not saying this team had to go and trade for Juan Soto because they couldn't have, as we said last week, but just none of it made sense. I'm as much, I'm as analytically inclined as anyone. The numbers do what the data says to give yourself the best odds in any given situation. But you have to understand as well. And I, I say, I want to say that the front office, I think, has placed an unneeded burden on Craig Council's interpersonal relationship skills. Craig's known as a guy that can really manage the clubhouse. And now it's like you went in and, and dropped a bomb in the clubhouse and said, All right, Craig, go in and make sure the vibes stay the same. And these are human beings. Uh, Corbin Burns gave an interview being like, yeah, Josh Hader is my best friend on the team. And at the, asking Chris Saying you know, we're they, still going to live together in the off seasons. Our kids are still going to grow up together. Like, not just because that's that was the thing, too. You could hear a guy say, oh, he's my best friend on the team. And okay. it's like, no, no, it's like they are they are as close as can be. Like, and he goes out and has the most walks he's ever had. <laughs> in his career in a, in a pro game like that's it's not necessarily one to the other but you just look at all of it. you look at Devin and what happens to him after his interview like I think you're completely spot on if part of that is the trust in oh well most of this group is around a long time great group of guys look at them they're in great spirits what damage could it really do what damage could it do that we couldn't fix in getting getting rid of hater now like I, I also do think like I, I thought Corbin's interview, it's Corbin's interview is not like Devin's. Like he's not he's not hurting in the same way that Devin was. But I think the thing that's interesting about Devin and the thing that likely they all feel and they all talk about among themselves is what the hell? We're you're supposed to give yourself a better chance to win coming out of the trade deadline. We're not doing that. Do we even care about winning at all? Like these are guys who've seen so much of their good work paid off by Josh Hader to get the team wins and he's gone and they look at the return and it's like, I mean, to your point on Esteri Ruiz, like get him up there right now. He's, he's played in the majors this year. Like I'm fine if it's next year, he really takes off. But the other thing in terms of understanding why they make a deal like this understanding is not the same as condoning it because ownership is the real reason um, that trades like this get made at this point, but understanding it is tough when you don't come out of it and say, okay, you know, highly specialized player. There's the situation looming with what his next contract will look like. Show that you're going to use those resources in a way that's going to bring life elsewhere. So if, if they trade him and they do go and get an impact bat, I think our, our tune would be very different on this, but when you don't manage to do that, then you're just left looking. It's like, well, we downgraded the best options in the bullpen. We've got more depth, which true tree games as we'll get into not exactly inspiring confidence and that's in us as fans but also that's the rest of the players like this is a series where they hit well they produce offensively and some of those guys are left looking around at you members of the team and being like 
Jesus, that guy really shit the bed. Is that what we, is that what we're gonna have to deal with now? Do we have to have like ten runs before a game is handed over to the bullpen to have any chance of winning? Like, not not a good spot to be in. Yeah, and, and just optically, when it all happens in the midst of all this, you just look like a laughing stock for a week, and all, all the other teams are laughing at you. And they've been uh, sideshow Bob stepping on rakes this week, like in in yes, every way. That is yes, the that is the Milwaukee Brewers this week. The confluence the, of, go ahead. Sorry. The thing too is that like, part of why I was like, okay, I I kind of reason why the timing of it, just because we, it's been a thing for like three years that winter meetings, the occasional trade deadline of like, oh, the Brewers are listening to Josh Hader, and I know that they weren't like going out there and be like, oh, let's go for the pack, like package that would actually initiate wanting to deal him. But they, I was like, oh yeah, they have Devin Williams who could easily be the the best closer that was their closer in the league, and yeah, there was some shaky arms at the at the moment of the trade and certainly after. But I was like, okay, their bullpen is kind of built to like withstand this, and I know that obviously with the deadline too, they insulated said bullpen with trying to get as many bites at the apple, if you will. Um, and it's like gone horribly wrong. It's like I don't, and who knows when? Whenever we see Rosenthal, if he is going to be healthy. Um, but yeah, it's just like Rosenthal. Just for again, because there's been more like quotes on that, and it's like they trade for Rosenthal because they were so impressed. They loved him so much at the workout they attended, and yet when that workout happened, they didn't just go and aggressively out of the gate go and get him. The Giants went to got him, and a week later they trade for him. Like that is also just, it's it's not it's a cat great. chasing his own tail. Yeah, and it's it's then he comes in and he's he's already injured, and it's two years since he's pitched, and it's just like which makes the Lamette thing even weirder. Because like, why you're how do you justify doing the Rosenthal trade when? Well, the the Lamette issue came down to the Bush trade. Because he couldn't be on, they had to DFA oh, yeah, to get him yeah. to get him to Nashville, and he still may get to Nashville, but it just yeah, looks very true. stupid. <laughs> yeah, I also don't wonder talk- with, with the sequencing of that, how early they realized that they messed up. Because we we did talk, oh, they're still going with relief pitchers. Like, is well, part of that already a correction before they've had to come out and put their hands up and be like? Oh, we've really screwed this up. Were but they just banking on getting someone on Tuesday? And then, then also, does part of your your actual deadline day become? Oh no, um, I should be looking for a bat right now, but we have acquired a pitcher that we're not going to be able to use, and I actually need another relief pitcher. And obviously, there are other things too, like we talk about the, um the timing of like Severino getting DFA and then Omar getting injured. And that just works against it. General Gustave getting injured, just going into this too, did not help. Um, but it's just, it really has been an unbelievable mess. Not what I come to expect. Like of all of everything I knew, the one thing was competence, like structure, planning, competence with the Brewers front office. This week has been a mess. 
Do we need to talk about these games? Yeah, I think we should. It might be better than us to keep going on this particular train. Yeah. Uh, game one on, on Tuesday night, a Corbin Burns start. You feel good about that. Uh, and the, the scoring gets started in the sixth inning, something, Adam, you've been concerned about <clears throat> for much of the season, is homers coming without guys on base. 0 for 5 runners in scoring position. All the homers came, or all the runs came in the sixth inning on solo homers. Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez go back to back. Then Kutch grounds out to the shortstop, and Colton Wong makes it 3 0. And then a disaster sixth inning uh, starts with an out from Burns, then a walk then another walk, and then O'Neill Cruz hits a home run to tie the game at 3-3. It's uh, a lot of times when you're watching sports, your mind can play tricks on you. And you can say, it feels like X, or it feels like Y, and then you go and look it up, and no, it's just confirmation bias that happens in the moment, recency bias, whatever it may be. You think this is happening to your team, but it's not. With O'Neill Cruz, it is the case, because he's a guy who... Overall numbers this season, not great. Only has a 260 Six. OBP. Uh, Sorry, go on. A 95 OPS plus. Eight homers on the year. Five of them have come against the Milwaukee Brewers. So when it when I say it feels like O'Neill Cruz always gets a big hit against the Brewers, it's because he does, and it's often a home run. So, yeah, he's going to be uh, terrorizing the Brewers for, for years to come. Uh Following that, another walk to Josh Van Meter. Brad Boxberg comes on. A single from Heineman makes it uh, four to three. And then I think, was this the, uh, no, this was the, a throwing error by Willie Adamas that uh, I think allowed a run to score. Or was this a pass ball? I don't remember. No, Whatever it came out pa- with. Pass ball, Caratini pass ball was in this. We were watching this together live on play. Like. That's right. Uh, and. So that got it to 5-3, and the Brewers were done scoring, loaded the bases um, in the seventh. This was uh, – there was some discussion after the game about some decisions council made. Pinch hit Barrasso against the lefty for Rowdy. Uh, he would get hit by the pitch. I'm totally fine with that move. Barrasso hits left-handers much better than Rowdy does. Understand it completely. Then he pinch hits Pedro Severino for Wong, which logically makes sense given the way Wong has been hitting against left-handers this year. But when the option is Pedro Severino, I don't love it. Strikes out looking in an absolutely terrible at bat. And uh, then the Brewers go one, two, three in the eighth and get a single from Yelly in the ninth. But other than that, three strikeouts in the ninth, lose the game five, three. Just uh, something that you don't count on, which is a, a inning that really gets away from Corbin Burns and leads to a, a five, three loss. Um, and then you just didn't. Uh, produce enough with guys on base got nine hits three of them were solo homers leave the bases loaded just uh a really tough game and, and this was the one coming right on the heels of the hater news and everything that it, that had gone down on uh, monday yeah just brutal i mean it, we we've got on craig for some decisions it's been a while honestly it was early in the season um yeah. that that a lot of the decisions were were more baffling to us and i think a lot of the things that we felt were there and were obvious he has seen and he has adjusted to. And to pull back the curtain on that, those who were watching the game with us on playback uh, will already know this. Not not what you expect from me, but going into that situation, I was like, I think I'd p- 
pull Rowdy and bring Brasso into pinch hit here. Rowdy is having a great game, as as Colton Wong was, but Brasso is just an absolute killer when it comes to pinch hitting. Uh, overall, his season has been really fantastic with the bat, which we'll get to again later. Continues to show up. And honestly, there's just a bad fortune in him getting hit by a pitch. And that then opens a can of worms that leads to, oh, wait, okay, Severino's coming in here too, which nothing, nothing good came of that. Um, so much so that the Brewers are like, yeah, let's just fire him into the sun right about now. Um, but just, it's it's one of those where the vibes were so good and you felt like this is exactly what they need. Ro- rolling off those homers, that stretch of about 10 minutes, You've got three homers. You can see everyone in the dugout, all of the guys there, really, really so upbeat. And it's one thing, okay, the O'Neill Cruz three-run homer, that's a tough blow. But what happens from there, just sloppiness, sloppiness, some really bad play. Final stretches of the game, the kind of area where generally we expect the Brewers to lock it down. And then... Unfortunately, you've pinch hit, Rowdy's out, Colton's out, which right now, those are two bats you do not want to be out. Um, and it, the game Peter's out from there. So, very disappointing. On the little did we know when this game happened that this was just the tip of the iceberg, though. Yeah, because I think the good vibes still were, there were good vibes present at the beginning of the second game of the series because it, mark the return of freddie peralta to the rotation and for the most part looked really good obviously he's on a pitch limit three and two-thirds innings four hits two earned runs two walks three strikeouts but just looked comfortable on the mound and that's probably the most important thing in getting him back and the brewers uh started this game off hot with the bats again a colton wong single in the first scores yelly willie adamas double in the second scores narvaez and yelly and then Rowdy Telez in the second follows that up with a single to score Adamas. It's 4 nothing in the second inning. And you're like, all right, uh, let's hold the lead this time. Obviously, uh, Peralta allows uh, two runs, but Trevor Gott relieves him, pitches one and a third scoreless innings. And then Jake McGee comes in. And uh, sorry, Adam. Uh, cu- <coughs> excuse me. Cu- cousin Jake with a with a tough outing. Uh I guess uh, pro- it wasn't his his worst of, of the year, would we say? Uh, allows Brian Hayes to or Brian Hayes lines out to start the inning, and then there's there's that man again, O'Neill Cruz singles. Uh, they bring in Michael Chavis to pinch hit, give give them that right handed option against the lefty McGee. He doubles, uh, and then uh, Cruz scores, and Chavis gets the third on that throwing error by Hunter Renfro. Sometimes there's just uh, too much gunpowder in the rifle at him and uh, the bullet gets away from you. And then uh, Marcano singles to score Michael Chavis. Just like that in the sixth inning, it's gone from 4 nothing to 4-2 to 4-4. And it would get worse from there. On to the seventh, uh, Brian Hayes single scores Brian Reynolds to make it 5-4. Uh, Hayes was thrown out at second, so there was a little reason for optimism there. And then Brent Suter comes on to face O'Neill Cruz with a runner on third. And O'Neill Cruz hits yet another homer to make it 7-4. From that point, I was pretty pessimistic about this game. 
but there was some resilience shown by the offense. Am I wrong? No, but I mean, from sources we expect, but you've just got you've just got the element of doubt there in that stretch of the game now, that even when the resilience is there, like we, we also have so many unknowns, and I know it's been one of the things touted coming out of the trade is oh, you know, what this really does, which is good, is it gives Craig flexibility to make decisions. You know, are we going to see Taylor Rogers? Are we going to see Devin? Who's going eight? Who's going ninth? And that may change on a game-to-game basis, situationally, depending on where we're at in the batting order. All of that is a positive, but again, the Brewers have dealt in certainty. Everyone can feel comfortable in, this is what's happening. This is who's getting this inning. And we all know what our job is. And we all know we're more than capable of taking care of that. Where this is the first instance where we end up with Taylor Rogers, Devin Williams, and with Devin getting the ninth. And yes, it doesn't doesn't turn out. But sorry, I shouldn't have done that because you threw that to me on the positive note of there being resilience from the offense, which there was. Uh yes. There, there was resilience uh, with two outs in the top of the eighth inning. Victor Caratini single, Tyrone Taylor single, Christian Yelich walks to load the bases with two outs. A uh, big two-out single from Willie Adamas scores Caratini and Taylor to make it 6-7. to seven. And then Rowdy Tellez follows that up with a single as well to score Yelly to make it 7-7 seven, seven after the uh, eighth inning. We would get to the ninth inning with this game still tied 7-7, seven to seven, trying to get the extra innings. Devin Williams comes on to pitch uh, at the plate is Brian Reynolds, who is a guy that I have publicly uh, publicly pined after on this podcast. He's someone that I wanted in center field for the Brewers. He's got a lot You've of years. Him for months. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. Uh, and three pitches into his at bat against Devin Williams in the bottom of the night. He s- sends a uh, a walk off home run into the right center field stands. Pirates win 8-7. Just an another absolute gut punch. This is like if someone tried to script something to just psychologically torment you, Andrew. Um, this whole scenario of, like, one, Devin, seeing Devin get dinged like that. Um, one, not the timing we wanted for that. Too just tough to see because he's been so absolutely imperious. But to give a second Simpsons reference for the episode, this to me, to make an Andrew, this is like Ralph Wiggum's heart being broken and us just, you know, watching it over and over frame again. By frame. That's, that's how I imagine this moment playing out for Andrew. Yeah, that was pretty accurate. Uh, you can pinpoint the exact moment when my heart broke and then it was pretty much when Reynolds made contact because I was definitely sure it was gone from that standpoint. Uh, And I, it really does just hurt. You hurt for Devin in that situation as well, because he's told you throughout the week, just how twilight zoney this week is feeling. And then he comes in, in the ninth tie game, first batter, like baseball is cruel. Do we think do we think that that was the right call to give him the ninth? Given I know Craig is the one actually in there and talking to guys, but given the snippet we got this week of where seeing Devin's head was at, 
would it not? I, I probably would have personally thought, give him the eight, give him his usual role. And we should probably not just gloss over the fact there. I mean, Taylor Rogers did his job in the eight, which is one of yep. the, the more encouraging things to come out of this. Uh, hopefully we see that continue to happen going forward. Um, but what what do you think on the first kind of call on it being to go straight to Devin in the night? Maybe maybe it is just it's the move because it's the you're our guy now. But I do think the most interesting thing with Devin is externally we might have thought Devin probably wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy closing games, racking up saves. And I think what we learned this week is Devin does not care about being the guy. He wants to win. He wants to do his job in his inning. He does not care if someone else is after him getting the save. He wants to win. I hope the Brewers knew that going into the week, but they sure do now. I I think you can make the case either way. That's that's one where I'm not going to criticize the decision. Rogers no, I, I'm not. I'm not looking to criticize. Oh, but okay. just if if you were if you were the manager, first time since the trade in this situation, do you think you would have gone this way and been okay, Devin? Look at his season. He's the guy I trust most. Taylor Rogers hasn't been there. I would just try to keep Devin in his in his spot where he's most familiar. Uh, I I would have thrown him into the night there because he's done it, and he said that after the game. He's like, I I've come into games in the ninth. <coughs> excuse me, uh, obligatory call. Um, he's coming to the game with the game tied. He's coming to the game the lead to nail down a save. He said it himself. So I I don't have any problem with that. I think I think the like let's show our guy we've got confidence in him. Move is was right and. They did it again uh, in the final game of the series, and he got back on track through a score. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I think Devin's going to be fine. Um, just one of those things, and all all of this, the timing to a degree, it comes down to just like the worst luck a pitcher could have, because he was going to give up a run again at some point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Thirty consecutive appearances at twenty-eight and two-thirds innings, I think, score the streak, and then the your first appearance after they trade Josh Hader you're a guy who he had said and in some of these interviews had become like a mentor for him in terms of like preparation and how you get yourself in the right mindset to be a shutdown reliever and then your first game without him first first batter takes you deep to end the game just uh, it's absolutely also brutal. That, that timing too because you get into a situation where you don't have a lead. <laughs> um, you're in a precarious spot to begin with. And all of those innings, he's been in the eight. So if he gives up a homer against the Red Sox a week ago, we all would probably just shrug our shoulders and be like, oh, it was bound to happen. The fact that, as you say, yeah. he is now finds himself in the ninth in a situation where there's no margin for error and happens is really tough. Uh, also in this game, Omar Narvaez hurt, sent to the IL. Mario Feliciano called up. Uh, Jackson Reitz, a catcher, added to the 40-man now. Uh, the timing of Narvaez going down right after Severino was DFA'd, it's just like uh, the universe, again, just playing a cruel trick specifically on me <laughs> or being like, get Severino out of here for weeks. And then as soon as as soon as soon he's gone, they're like, oh, are you sure you didn't need that third catcher? Uh, just fun times all around. Uh, final game in this series. It was uh, 
nice 11.35 central start. So maybe you've taken a lot. <coughs> excuse me, taking a lunch break on your work day, watching a little Brewers baseball, Brandon Woodruff on the mound. Uh, Pirates got the scoring started in the second. Um, Greg Allen scored on a Victor Caratini pass ball in the second to make it one nothing. Woodruff would get out of that inning, and Caratini would immediately right his wrong with a solo homer in the third to make it 1-1. Then in the fifth, Mike Rosso getting a rare start against a right-handed pitcher. Uh, had a really good game. Uh, I think he got another hit by pitch as well. So on base twice. Well, he circled the bases in this at-bat. A fifth inning, opposite field home run to right field. Makes it 3-1 to one Brewers. You feel good with Woodruff on the mound. Get to the seventh inning. Uh, another situation where maybe trying to extend Woodruff a little too much. The pitch count was low, but he had been allowing base runners pretty steadily throughout the game. So with your newly bolstered bullpen, maybe you uh, give somebody a clean inning, take the six you got from Woodruff, and go from there. Would not work out that way. Unfortunately, uh, in that seventh inning, things would would get away from him a little bit, and then he would be removed. he would leave the game after a Marcano single made it three to two with one out. Boxberg comes in uh, with the game uh, still in the Brewers' favorite three two. Then it would be tied up on a Ben Gamble single. He would get out of the inning by getting Cabrian Hayes to pop out. Then we get a uh, a scoreless eighth inning from Hobie Milner, who has bounced back nicely after some tough performances in the last few weeks. And then just in Boston, uh, we should never let Hobie Milner go to Boston again. Yeah, Hobie Milner. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Hobie Miller, don't go to Fenway Park. Hobie Miller and Adam McGee handshake emoji, emoji hate <laughs> Fenway Park. Uh, and then the, the top of the ninth was this the scenario where the Brewers had a chance to take hold of this game and, and win it. Leadoff double from Colton. Uh, Hunter Renfro bunts him to third. I don't know if, and we should mention, uh, the inning before when. Brandon Woodruff uh, lost control of the game. Yelich and Craig Council were both ejected. Yelich arguing balls and strikes uh, from the dugout. He was DHing this game and got called, uh, struck out looking twice, I think, on balls that were below the zone. Definitely not the zone. And so he was ejected from the dugout, came out to get his money's worth. Craig Council comes out to defend his player. They both get ejected. So... I guess all of the decision making from that point was Pat Murphy, who was uh, who's the bench coach, obviously. Can you can you make... on that? I was trying to think. Have has there been under Brewers player ejected this season? I can't think of one. I, but that, that seems that strange. occurred to me. Which again, if it is, it's just bad timing, and it doesn't seem great. Didn't We're talking someone... about Texas stuff, but I want to see someone get ejected for balls and strikes. That wasn't just console. Uh. It might have been Yelich himself. Yelich is the only... Yelich is one of the few guys on the team, which is it is interesting because it just doesn't mesh with his whole vibe, but he really does get after umpires. And I guess part of that is also his status and the status he has held, where he probably feels he can do that and he probably does get away with it some more. But that, that was something I was thinking about. I can't think of too many... Craig is being ejected, all right, but I couldn't think of too many players. Uh, yeah, the only, the only ejection before this that's standing out in my mind is from an opponent, which was Kyle Schwarber during, yes, uh, I remember that. which Yelly in that one was also complaining 
Um, but you know, he didn't have to. He didn't have to get ejected on that one. Yeah. So from that point on, don't know if Hunter Renfro was bunting on his own to move Wong to third, or if it was a call from Murphy in the dugout. Uh, it kind of looked like he was bunting for a hit, though. So it might have been him going on his own. It worked out more like a sacrifice. Then they would intentionally walk Caratini. Brasso hit by a pitch. Jonathan Taylor, or Jonathan Taylor, uh, what am I doing? Uh, Tyrone Taylor comes to pinch hit for Jonathan You did that Davis. the other day, too. You just want to combine them because you feel that's exactly what the Brewers need. That and probably thinking about Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, of, of 90s, 90s actor Colts fame. Former Badgers running back. Oh, or him, yes. Wisconsin, uh, there's the Wisconsin <laughs> alignment there. One of the best running backs of the NFL if not the best. Uh, Taylor hits the ball hard to third base. Brian Hayes makes an outstanding play to turn to mm-hmm. another one of those areas where the Brewers are having some of the worst vibes and the worst luck of, of anyone in baseball right now. And from there, Devin Williams pitches a scoreless night, so bounces back very quickly from the walk-off homer allowed the night before. And then we get Manfred Ball, as I will continue to call it, uh, so with Taylor on second, Bush ball eventually. Yes, unfortunately, Taylor on second. Keston grounds out. Uh, Adamas pops out. They would intentionally walk Rowdy. Uh, Kutch walks, and then Colton gets hit by a pitch to make it four to three. Hunter Renfro uh, hits a ball very hard to left field. Ben Gamble comes on, makes the catch. Another unlucky instance. Renfro crushed that baseball. Then we get to the 10th. Uh, Matt Bush comes in. Ryan Reynolds again. Kind of a weird fly ball, <coughs> excuse me, double to right field down the line. Just barely fair. Uh, intentionally walks Gamel. And Cabrian Hayes fly out, moves Reynolds to third. Intentionally walk O'Neill Cruz, which I was completely cool with. You know, I don't like intentional walks, but in that scenario, I was like, please, not him, not him again. <laughs> And it's coming to the point where he's terrorizing me, but I also respect it so much, and I'm a big fan of his game. I'm a massive of... fan of him. I think he's the best player in baseball. Is that related to the fact I only see him playing the Brewers? Sure, but it's like, <laughs> he's MVP, right? Yes. In all he seriousness, though, the we've talked about this every time. He looks like he is going to be incredible. Like... He just has all the tools. Uh, maybe, maybe he won't, and he'll just be incredible against the Brewers his entire career. But that's probably good enough, you know, to be a useful player on an NL Central team. That would be a funny troll if he was just only good uh, against the uh, the Brewers. But with Michael Chavis up with the bases loaded, a two strike count. Matt Bush, new acquisition, spikes a breaking ball, gets to the backstop. Uh, run scores and the Pirates win it five to four complete the sweep uh as Kurt Hogg noted Ty was pronouncing it Hogue the other day do we it's, do it's, we have an no, answer no that's just Ty okay I, okay. I feel no very confident I'm, I'm open to the correction on that Ty if you're listening um I'm pretty sure it's Kurt Hogg I was worried I've been saying it wrong all season but he noted that the Brewers have now lost five straight to the Pirates and have held a lead in the sixth inning or later in each of those games. So, uh, tough series, tough week with the trades, emotional for, I mean, like I said, it, I mean, it was exhausting from a fan perspective. I could only imagine how the players feel. Like, they, they were probably just thrilled to get back to their own beds on Thursday night. One of the benefits of, of playing that 
that uh, coach early must start have been glad game. to be in Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Um, the furry convention but, yeah. was didn't work out for him in the series, but yeah, it, this is just kind of a, a flush it down the toilet series. You got three with the Reds coming up, and it's uh, time to turn things on. There's a very, I mean, this is baseball, there's a very real possibility. Those are the two worst outings Matt Bush is ever going to have as a brewer. There's a very real possibility. Uh, Taylor Rogers comes in and returns to his early season form. There's a possibility. Uh, Este Ruiz is an exciting electrifying player uh, that we're excited to watch for the next five to seven years. But right now, all that we feel is pain. I mean, that's the, it's the worst to, to add to everything we're already feeling. It's the worst series of the season so far. They've only been swept in a series that lasts at least three games once this year before that. That was against the Phillies um, back at the beginning of June. And to be swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates is embarrassing. I don't know if we've stressed that enough beyond just the point that, you know, oh, this is not good for them as a team. It was very tough to watch. It was embarrassing. They got humiliated. There's... They're in a division with three, you know, semi-professional baseball teams. And they've dropped way too many games against them. You look at the standings, those three are just in a constant battle to see who can trip over themselves more to tumble down the standings. And the Brewers, when they see them, are doing their best to make that bottom of the NL Central race, you know. Who, in fact, is the worst team? Interesting. Because whenever you think, oh, it's this team... The Brewers let them win a few games and they changed that up. And you know what? Chance for the Brewers to do that again. Cincinnati Reds. Not not currently down at the bottom of the pile. Maybe the Brewers have put them there. Maybe they'll let us get clear of it. But yes, in all seriousness, this is embarrassing. And it's not really at this point in the season something you could just write off as, oh, you know, it's just another series. This is baseball. No, look at the standings. Look at the standings and look at teams all around that have actively strengthened. And look at the question marks that are facing the Brewers. This is bad. This is not the spot you want to find yourself in. And based on a lot of the good play this season, um, how well they've battled through adversity with injuries in the first half and the run they put together, it's a, they find themselves in a situation now that they really did not need to be in. Jordan, we don't get to have you have you on often. Uh, is there is there a reason for optimism moving forward? Just tell us there is, even if there's not. Um, yeah, I, I do think there is. I mean, even with all of the troubles and struggles that they've had, and just the fact that they are incredibly streaky. I look this another stat. Um, they've had six. Uh, four plus game win streaks this year and four pl- three plus game losing streaks this year, including like the eight game skid where it's like, oh, what is <laughs> is this team just suddenly bad again? I, I think that's where it's like this week is kind of like how the season has been in a nutshell outside of just like how good of a first month that, they, that they've had. It's just like this constant like evening scale where it's like you feel like oh everything's going up. I mean, they go have a four game lead in the division, not almost a week ago, and it's completely disappeared. <laughs> and then it's like oh, it's going to turn up because 
they're playing the Reds. They have a home heavy schedule the last two months. They, you know, their offense actually, it's again, as we said before, like it's, it's not been a problem. Um, it's just a matter of can their bullpen kind of coalesce and can these new arms kind of fortify it where you're not leaving it to certain uncertainty or if you're going to have more, be more flexible with who you're going to go to in certain situations, can those guys be, you know, make up for the, some of the parts or can the, some of the parts make up for losing someone as good as hater and Ken Williams handled new, his new role and all this stuff. Like, I think that's where it's like, again, it's going to be look self-inflicted and there's going to be nights where it's like, ah, you kind of see where it's going to be, but it's all in all. I think it's just, this team is just very, it's a 500 team. <laughs> and maybe that gets you in the playoffs and maybe and all this stuff. Like it's not like the Cardinals specifically because they are staying in the way of winning the division at this point. They traded their, you know, Harrison Bader is not like someone that, um, is something to sneeze at or anything like he's probably the best center fielder that got dealt by the at the deadline, right? Yeah, probably. I just think he sucks, but that's me. Very good defensively. Yeah, swings a wet newspaper. <laughs> but I just it's that it's that carnal devil magic that somewhat exists. And it well, just... they they improved their starting pitching as well. I mean, yes. Yeah. Which would have been one of the obvious spots where you're like, oh, well, at least the advantage over them is. And it's like, well, no, they're better there now than they were before the deadline. Like, yeah. so that's the concern there. Like, not to belabor this, but we've we've been on all season about just these kind of losses, losing to the crappy teams that are there for the Brewers to beat up on and there for you to give yourself a really comfortable lead in the standings where you avoid stress. And everyone in isolation, it's easy to be like, oh, it doesn't 162 games. It doesn't matter if they lose this one. It doesn't matter if they lose this one. But we're getting to a point where it does matter because you're going to see the Dodgers seven times. You've got a stretch in September where you play like two against the Cardinals. Then you go six straight where it's Yankees Mets back to back series. So like, yeah, you've it is just one game here or there, but you've got to factor in the games which are essentially gifts on your schedule. And the Brewers have more of those than most teams in Major League Baseball by way of the division they're in. There are fewer gifts coming up. Might be longer homestands, but maybe that's a good thing based on what the Brewers have done so far this season, which is be good teams. Uh, maybe some of those series are actually the ones where we can come out feeling really good because they've done a lot of damage. It's still not the ideal spot to put yourself in. Yeah, things are not great. Uh, moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Before there we is get good out of stuff here. here. There is good stuff here. And things we haven't talked about that I'm happy for us to highlight here. Yeah, one of the things we talked about last episode, um, things we were looking to, I guess, positives going into the rest of the season. Guys, we were looking to step up one of them was willie adamas and he had a good series five for 15 a homer two doubles two runs scored and five rbi uh some really good plate appearances with two outs and two strikes where he didn't swing for the fences and he had that single to left field in one game he had that opposite field double in the other game uh he's been looks like he's trying to go the other way 
more rather than waving through pitches on the outer half of the plate. Uh, so really confident that that some of those adjustments Willie have been making will pay off. Batting Telez, 5 for 11, a walk, a homer, two doubles, one run, three RBI, as reliable as ever. Christian Yelich still getting on base. Excuse <coughs> me, 3 for 12, two walks, three runs. Colton Wong uh, continues to play really well. Uh, 5 for 11, one walk, a homer, one run, three RBI. Yeah, Colton is the guy in particular that we didn't talk about because there was bad things in a lot of those games. On the last episode, we ran through, well, not the last episode, the last episode about baseball, not trades and lack of trades. The last episode about actual (laughs) games, we detailed his pretty fiery quotes about his defense um, after the error he had in the last series. And he came out looking like uh, the best defensive second base in baseball, which, you know, he is adamant he was, all the numbers had said no he is as far from that as possible this season but spectacular defensive plays in all three games and he is now up to i believe an eight game hitting streak and correct me if i'm wrong but i do think he's managed extra base hits in all eight of those games too so it's not even just that there's kind of a few scruffy singles that are just getting him to first but he is hitting with real regularity for extra base hits. The only one that is in my head, I'm trying to think the game two of this series, did he not have an extra base hit? Um, but I, I know that was something at one point in the series that was said in the broadcast, and I feel like that's still the case. Um, just immensely, immensely impressive. I think he's maybe a little unfortunate here. One, that he gets pinch hit in game one, because... The process is sound, I, I think, based on how him and Rowdy hit lefties, but both guys are hitting it so well that, you know what, maybe it's the exception to the rule if they get left in. And in a series like this, it was never going to happen for anyone without a big signature moment. But I, I did think in coming into, you know, thinking about Master Brew points, I was like, Colton Wong is, you know... He's probably at one and a half beers in terms of what he deserves for this series because he's just about as complete, as good as you can ever ask him to be on both sides of the ball over these three games. So tough for him that they got swept by the Pirates and any opportunity of a rare double beer was just non-existent. Uh, But in terms of just consistency and level of performance, he in particular, I just think, deserves massive, massive credit because he was phenomenal in this series. Yeah, he only had a single in the uh, the middle game, but he had a, oh, okay. a, a double in one game and a homer in another. So he is hitting for extra bases with more regularity and just providing some consistency to the lineup. And we, like you said, we had that conversation about uh, him being frustrated with the level of his defense this season and then he really stepped up especially in the first game of the series made some phenomenal plays um turned a nice uh double play with brasso as well in the uh the final game of the series coming across the base with a little uh jump throw that was nice to see he he had great jump trials in game two and three i mean the, the one really ridiculous diving throw in game one like just all across the board really really good stuff that's it's impressive. I wish I could just like get that fired up and then everything fixes itself. And all of a sudden I'm the best in the world or something. 
that would be fantastic after a bad podcast andrew if you and i could just be like we are the best at this no one else might think that but we know and the next next part out we are in fact the best that would be great well i have a feeling a lot of people are going to be telling us that we're the worst after this one so we'll see how that goes i, I think you should tell some other people david stearns mark Atanasio. You know, there, there are other options. If just anyone who's, you know, got their Twitter fingers out, you're ready to get in our, get in our mentions, maybe have a look at some other people because Andrew and I did not, in fact, manage the trade deadline here. Yeah, tweet me next week. Uh, Nor did we uh, get swept by the Pirates. Tweet, tweet me next week. Don't tweet me this week. Uh, leaderboard through 105 games. Rowdy Telez leading the way with 16. Uh, Christian Yelich and Corbin Burns now tied with 12. Willie Adamas, Andrew McCutcheon, Jace Peterson with 9. Brandon Woodruff alone with eight. Colton Wong, Devin Williams, Hunter Renfro, Renfro Luisa Rios, Josh Hader, sad, uh, with seven. Tyrone Taylor with six. Eric Lauer and Hobie, Hobie Milner with five. Aaron Ashby and Kevin Hero with four. Jonathan Davis, Victor Caratini, Jason Alexander, Freddie Peralta with three. Trevor Gott, Brad Boxberger, Omar Narvaez, Adrian Hauser with two. Yandel, Gustave, Brent Suter, Luke Barker, Peter Streslecki with one. Uh, of note, uh, on the broadcast, they said uh, Adrian Hauser is going to make a rehab start Saturday in Nashville. So, who knows what happens with the uh, the roster situation when he's back in a few weeks? I think they're targeting end of August. Do we want to finish up with um, talking about something that did did happen? Has kind of emerged. Uh, over the last 24 hours or so, it's really a knock-on move, knock-on effect of all the various other moves, and that is the Luke Barker situation. Yeah, so he was uh, designated for assignment, I think, after the the Rosenthal move was made to get Rosenthal on the 40-man. And uh, then he tweeted last night that he was released, and the the team is declining to offer him a minor league deal so that I guess he will not have access to team facilities, which I assume would be uh, in Arizona with extended spring training. If I, if I had to guess where he could rehab. Uh, And so uh, let me see if I can pull up uh, the uh, full statement. Uh, Barker's Twitter uh, bio is pretty, pretty funny uh, and mocking some of the language MLB has used uh, to, I guess, categorize minor leaguers so they don't have to pay them living wages. His bio says former part-time seasonal intern. So that's pretty funny. (laughs) And this next part is not funny, uh, which is what he posted. Uh, I want to give an update on my last few days. Tuesday night, I was informed I had been DFA'd by the Brewers. Wednesday morning, I underwent Tommy John surgery. By Wednesday night, I had been released per the conditions of my DFA. Today, I was informed there was no interest from the club to re-sign me to a minor league contract, and my rehab would be outsourced to the facility of my choosing. Unfortunately, this means my time with as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers organization has come to an end. I'll let others decide whether a team releasing a player on surgery day is ethical. I'll let others decide if the MLBPA allowing for injured players to be DFA'd makes them an effective union. For now, I'm just thankful to my family for the friends I've made in the past six seasons, for Dr. Camp and the team at the Mayo Clinic, and for all those who have followed along. I'll be back next season on to the next challenge. And I don't know all of the uh, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, logistics, business-related happenings that need to go on for these sorts of things. And 
whether or not what normal protocol is, but the it's just shitty. It's just it's a shitty rich. thing to do. And to the point and to the point of his bio to someone who um has been a very popular member of the organization for quite a while, has performed very well through the levels, but is a minor leaguer dealing with the challenges that you deal with when you're a minor league player. Uh, he got the call up early in the season. He gave a really touching and memorable interview about what that felt like. He performed positively. You may have heard his name in that one beer club on the Master Brewer leaderboard. And, you know, we all know that, oh, you know, it's a business, business to business. There should be some more compassion, particularly for guys in the minor league, guys who don't have the luxury of having had the security that big league salaries are going to allow you to have. It's just, it's a sour taste at the end of what was already not a week that has made the Brewers particularly endearing, but with their performance on the field and with everything that's happened off the field. And yeah, yeah, it's a business. So they always say, but it doesn't necessarily have to be always quite as cold as that. Um, I don't know. Like it, on something like that, the thing that strikes me first and foremost is, is there not ways around, like, would it be mandated with union rules that the brewers opt? Okay. We're not doing that. And that's it. He has to be separated from that. Could the brewers not in good faith be like, Hey, we're going to, we're, we, are, we don't have interest in you to stay in the minors, but we're going to look after this for you anyway because you've been a servant of ours. Like, that's... Mark Ananasio has the money, I believe, I hope. Um, that's something like that, you know, is a pretty small gesture, but it would mean a lot to him. And again, I feel like this is territory Jordan and I have gone down on various different books, moves, and decisions. And it's kind of how you treat guys, how you honor guys, particularly who are in minor league teams in your minor league system they're in your organization but they're not getting the benefits that everyone else gets to that it just to me sounds pretty shitty that this is just how it is and particularly of all surgeries we know tommy john surgery for a pitcher it doesn't get much more serious than that and that's a question i don't know the answer to which is um obviously he's hurt as a member of the milwaukee brewers organization so I would assume that at the very least his rehab is covered by the PA or by the Brewers organization because of what happened. But well, the, actually, them, so, sorry, them, I, he does imply that in his in his statement yeah. out of silly of his choosing, but it shouldn't even be that. I mean, is, yeah. is he not allowed in the facilities well, that my, are actually Brewers? My, I don't know. my big thing is just it not being like, okay, well, we're going to sign into this minor league deal. You're part of our family like rehab with the brewers with guys in the organization you know that are also going through something it just doesn't look good it just looks callous and cold-hearted and yeah like you said it is a business but just like i I don't watch all this for for spreadsheets and and uh portfolios and thinking of players as assets and not human beings and not showing the least bit of compassion to a guy who struggled and struggled and struggled to climb the ranks of your organization finally have this great moment where his career is culminated and at the very least he can say i got to the big leagues and 
that probably be a little bit tainted because the organization he did it with now cast him aside and said, we don't want you anymore. And it's, it's just, especially coming in this week, just looks horrible. That was a pod, right? That was, that was a pod. Nobody tweet me. I need to go. I need to go take a nap. Tweet me at Adam McGee eleven if you got any issues. I'd love to talk it out with you. Um, at Brewers GSPN. Actually, you know what? Don't tweet there. You could follow there, but just direct tweets to me because Andrew would see the tweets that go there. So please direct all tweets at me. Um, Jordan, do you want do you want tweets? Sure. I don't at know if Jordan, I'm respond to at him. Jordan Tresky. Jordan will not respond. Uh, he'll go about his day. He'll laugh like a, you know, like a healthy human being should. Um, nice. <laughs> that's it for us for this episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Cruising for a bruising. I promise that every episode is not normally like this. It's up to the brewers though what episodes are like <laughs> in the future. So let's let's hope they help us. You know, help us to help you is really the situation we're in here. We were having some great times after the Rockies, Twins, and Red Sox series. We were, we were loving life. Hopefully, we'll get back to that. If we do, you're not gonna want to miss out on your Master Brew leaderboard updates. Subscribe to gspn.substack.com. You'll get all of them there, along with our pod episodes, Andrew's write-ups on the guys who have earned themselves a beer in a given series. Plus, you'll get other stuff occasionally. Jordan is. You know, he's known to like to dabble in some writing, mostly about the books, but who knows um, on, on the sub stack. So if, if that sounds like your kind of thing, you get that directly to your, your inbox as well. So gspn.substack.com, gspn.info. That's still the place to go to basically access all the other things we do. If you want to support us at Cruise for Bruising or and if you other Eurostep Podcast Network shows, you can buy merch from our merch store there. You can get access to our Discord, where you can chat it up with fans of all the other Wisconsin pro sports teams and ourselves. That, at the moment, is still the only way you can get access to our Brewers watch-alongs on Playback, which are a lot of fun. We generally have one of those once a week or so, so if you'd like to make sure you don't miss out future gspn.info, you can go to the Discord form, fill out the details, we'll get you added, and you'll be able to watch Brewers games with us and a bunch of other fans in the days, weeks, months ahead. That wraps it all up for now. Uh, I guess I'm still the closer on this podcast. Nothing's changed there. Until the next time, thanks as always to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Don't tweet me.